Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you for the last ever time, maybe for Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi, the TV series, not just an episode on the person that is coming to our Patreon subscribers in July 2027. Uh, we're here to talk about episode six of Obi-Wan Kenobi called Part VI, Part V, or Part <laughs> 6. And the finale of the series event on Disney+. Plus. Is this the last time we will ever talk about this? I don't know. Stay tuned to the end of this episode where we discuss the prospects of a season two. Um, I'm excited to talk about this one. It's exciting. It was interesting. It had cameos in it and had the best line ever, which I'm not going to steal because I'm going to say, my name is Ben and... I was always here, Colin. You were just not ready for me. Come on, we've got a ways to go. <laughs> and my name is Colin, and, well, it took you long enough. <laughs> no, None of us went with the obvious of, hello there, um, <laughs> which it wasn't really like, hello there. It was more like, hello there. Hello um, there. <laughs> get, get back there and shoot some womp rats, whatever the <laughs> fuck it was. Um the finale, it's just started and we're, we're, we're done with. And, um, yeah, that was pretty solid ending, pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's good cameos. We got our Liam Neeson. He got a big yeah. fat paycheck for about 30 seconds worth of screen time, so good for him. We got the Emperor. Oh, did he? I, I, have, I have some stories on that. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> okay, possibly. Uh, Jimmy Smith was there as well. Um, the Emperor. Um, Luke. And lots of sand. And we also got and to see a really cool Baru scene. Which is maybe, speaking? Oh, Baru, there she is. She got to say something. No blue milk. That was a shame. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, just like I really enjoyed this series. Good job, Obi-Wan. Disney <laughs> Plus. Well done. Well done. Uh, not medium rare. Well done for a change. Mm. <laughs> uh, medium rare Anakin. That's what we got in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Too soon, Colin. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I could. I mean, I completely agree with you. It, it would have been a real challenge to screw this up, uh, you know, considering what we've gotten so far. And uh, th- there is like one minor complaint I'm going to have, and it wasn't something that took away from the enjoyment of the episode. It's more like, well, could they have done this better, maybe with one or two more episodes, or writing this a little bit differently? But uh, but I mean, th- this it delivered exactly what you want uh, and what they promised, which is the rematch of the century. Uh, now, is this the rematch of the century from Revenge of the Sith, or is it the rematch of the century from Episode Three? Either way, <laughs> the the final showdown the was same satisfying. Scene. The same. You said, epi- yeah. you said Episode Three. Episode oh, do you three mean Episode Three of this show? 
the mean? show, yes. Oh, I'm thinking like Revenge of the Sith in episode three. Are they not the same thing? But you mean of this series, right? Okay. Yes. Well, well, trivia fact in both episodes three and episode sixes, we have had lightsaber battles in both the movies and television shows. So uh, consistency, I'm, I'm sure that was planned, but uh, you can't help but love it. And I, I think the thing that I was most happy with is that they didn't go overboard with a million cameos. And uh, that was one of the things that I praise about Dr. Strange that a lot of people criticize. They're like, Oh, well they should have had a million cameos in this. I'm like, well then it wouldn't have been a Dr. Strange movie. And the fact that like they were selective in the, the, the cameos and the surprises we got in this episode, they weren't trying to reinvent the wheel. They're like, let's give a satisfying conclusion to this story and start to bridge the gap with the next one and maybe leave some things open, but uh, not leave it so open for a season two that if we never make one, that people will be feeling ripped off. Yeah. I think they did a solid job with all that. And I think, um, you know, as you and I are big prequel lovers, I think that they really almost gave, you know, lots more to the prequels than they did. I mean, they, it's always about leaving them in the starting positions for a new hope or rogue one now, I guess. But you still have a lot of it, which is mainly more prequels to me, which which worked a treat. And I think one thing that they did well as well, I mean, we joke about the Boba Fett show, um, you know, <laughs> 30% Boba Fett, 70% Mando. Um, but, I mean, this also had the risk of being like the Darth Vader show. And, you know, Hawkeye became the other girl show. Like, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's all those things. Whereas this solidly was the Obi-Wan show with, you know, only like a slight bit of Darth Vader, which kind of worked so um yeah i mean i think this episode had everything we really wanted um i'm with you with the cameos i mean we called an emperor cameo which kind of worked um qui-gon karen we've all been way i literally thought we weren't going to get it i'm like are you fucking kidding me um but then we got it uh which i mean let's start on that was so i mentioned i think last week or whatever like maybe they'll just use the footage that they didn't use from um revenge of the sith which we've never seen now, Liam Neeson's looking a bit older here, so I, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Is that your theory? Because, like, I mean, he literally, he's not in the credits. Liam Neeson, he's not credited in this episode. So, I mean, there is a possibility that maybe this is the footage they use in a record because no one's ever seen it except for, like, George Lucas and that, right? So, I don't know. Has this been confirmed that this is new footage Liam Neeson shot or are we led yeah. to believe that this potentially could be Revenge of the Sith footage we never saw? No, this is definitely new. Um, so uh, I, I can't remember if I, uh, I, I, I know that I mentioned at the end of the last episode that in here in Canada, they were going to be doing like a, an all day marathon. And uh, that only ended up being in one theater in Toronto. The reason being that they had a Q and a uh, with both Hayden Christensen and Deborah Chow, the director, who I didn't even realize was Canadian as well. Or I think if I knew that, I forgot she was Canadian as well. So they kind of had like the this big Canadian all-day marathon. But uh, across the rest of the country, they showed the, the finale theatrically, which I'll, I'll give some more bits of trivia near the end. Uh, but uh, but I, I had spent all day Thursday or Friday of last week trying to get tickets. So I could find it. You go on the app, you go on the website, and it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi finale, 6 p.m. Wednesday. And I'm trying to buy tickets. And it's like, I keep trying to click continue. It's like, you can't click continue until you've selected a ticket. I'm like, well, you're not letting me select a ticket. Like I was getting angry with it all day. And then at random, That's I a lot got for Canadians to get angry. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we get angry. It's more like, come on. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, sorry. Eh? <laughs> I'll be nice to you. Uh, but uh, there's this thing here called Cine Club, which is like, 
you pay $10 a month and you're, it's, it's not like the scene membership was something different. This is like, they'll give you one free admission per month. And then you also get like, you know, special screening events. So I got an email saying like, you have been selected for the special screening, Cine Club exclusive special screening. Of so okay, so it's free <laughs> and I'm special invite. Hayden Christensen and Deborah Chow want me there. <laughs> so Hayden I personally I, invited you. Exactly. It's like that. It's like, guy, I love him. I love all of him. The, the, the guy with the sand t-shirt uh <laughs> we need him there but uh yeah so i ended up getting to the the special invite to the screening uh and i literally as soon as i got the lead this is a one-time event you, you it's first come first serve so i click on it i got it um but yeah during the q a afterwards the, like the last question they asked was about liam neeson in the cameo and deborah chow explained it was it's actually quite a kind of a funny story she's like you know nobody was sure if you would do it and I'm like, okay, were, were none of them there when he basically begged to come back every time and even did the voice in the Clone Wars? Liam Neeson comes back to do the voice in the Clone Wars animated series. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be tough to convince him. But she she explained the phone call where she called him up. And she's like, she's like, first of all, you basically get distracted because you feel like you're listening to an audio book when you're talking to <laughs> Liam Neeson on the phone. Hello, this is Liam Neeson. Uh, the but, following uh, call will be monitored by... <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Deborah. But she, she's... She's like, you know, I was trying really hard. She's like, I was trying really hard to sell him on it. Look, this is what our plan is for the show. You know, uh, and we want Obi-Wan to be struggling with be able to communicate with Qui-Gon. And then, you know, uh, we want to have you come in at the last minute and have this like nice final moment. And she's like, you know, oh, and and I I wasn't sure what his response would be. And I I just stopped talking at one point. He goes, darling, that sounds wonderful. Count me in. <laughs> darling. Oh, yeah, exactly. Darling, that darling. sounds wonderful. I've got a unique set of skills that I can bring. I will but find she's you. Like, I will show up like, to Hollywood. <laughs> but then she's like, you know, there was no talk of like contract or how much he was getting paid negotiations. <laughs> so I'm like, did Liam Neeson just agree to do this for free? Like, no. So <laughs> I Liam don't need Neeson the money. So- I'm still living on episode one money. Yeah, so eager to come back. He's like, give me the wig. <laughs> I'll do I'll do my own series. <laughs> I'm wearing the robes right now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't taken it off. <laughs> but um, but I, I think that's one thing. Yes, he does look older. And it's, it's weird that there's been some criticism with both the uh, the Attack of the Clones mullet uh, braid sequence that we got in episode five, as well as with this, like, oh, well, they didn't do any DH. Good that they didn't do any de-aging, you know? Like, uh, the de-aging that we've gotten has not always been as good as it could be. Uh, and, and, I mean, he's a Force ghost. So, I mean, Force ghosts look however they want to look, you know? Yoda doesn't um, look it, the same in his Force ghost in freaking um, exactly. uh, Last Jedi as he does in, in, like, no one complains about that. He's a puppet. Yeah, and everybody wants Anakin to look like old man Anakin in Return of the Jedi, which he never looked like because he had no hair or eyebrows. So <laughs> Force ghosts look how they want to look. But... Yeah, I mean, L- L- Liam Neeson, it, that was the only way I think you could end this series. I mean, that that was the perfect ending. And what I loved about it is that we've actually spent this whole season thinking, oh, why did Qui-Gon go dark? Why won't he talk to him anymore? And then you kind of have that. It's not like a big, massive twist. But you have that twist thrown and you're like, wait a second. He spent 10 years this this story is about the fact that he's he hasn't been able to communicate with Qui-Gon. Obi-Wan's yeah. not good enough. And then suddenly he's finally strong enough again where Qui-Gon's like, well, it took you long enough. I was here the whole time. Which I think it, they did a good job in retconning so much in this. And like 
it kind of makes that, you know, bit in Revenge of the Sith now when it's like, a task for you, I have old friend Qui-Gon. And like, you never see it because he was like, what? And now you're kind of like, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted it to be a bit longer because it would have been cool for them to kind of have him explain like, and maybe they're saving it for a potential season two, you know, like, mm. I want to hear that conversation where he's basically going like, and this, I want you to get struck down by Vader and you'll become a ghost like me. Like, I mean, like, yeah. you know, I I think it'd be cool to kind of have things like that. But, um, we, you know, we got we got it. We got the Qui-Gon cameo finally. It was literally 30 seconds. Um, you know, I don't say it's the best part of the episode, but I mean, it's a great way to end it. And again, it leaves the door open for a potential season two. But uh, fun fact, again, shout out to Star Wars Theory on YouTube. Pay attention to it. It's great. They had a good little wrap-up video. Um, that when they're walking off into that canyon, that's Beggar's Canyon. That's the same canyon mm-hmm. as they race the pods in um, episode one, which I thought was cool. So there you go. Uh, fun fact, if people didn't already know that. Um, but, yeah, outside of Qui-Gon... Um, I I mean my I absolutely loved the Vader Obi Wan fight like I just and everything that came from that basically again retconning certain things you know kind of Vader so easily using the word like master when he thought he killed him and then just the best bit though when he's like had his helmet slice open and they kind of have that weird like half and half of Anakin's voice yeah. mixed with Darth Vader's voice and. Then just like that scene, like I was nearly in fucking tears when Obi Wan just kind of like I'm sorry, Anakin, like I'm sorry for everything, uh, and then just when he basically is just like you didn't kill Anakin, I did, you know, I'm Darth Vader now, and then he Obi Wan just like yeah, well fuck you then, buddy, I'm off, calls him Darth and leaves. Um, I mean, it just it just worked so well. It kind of just both for Anakin and for Obi Wan, and just seeing like the Hayden Christensen face, and we also got the mm-hmm. scar on his head, which is you know retconning the scar on his head that you see yeah. in uh, Return of the Jedi. So so much to love about this, so epic, and like you know we got what two battles between these two across this. Um, all those questions were like, well, how can these two battle again? It doesn't make sense for a new hope. I don't think it's done anything to destroy a new hope or nothing to destroy Revenge of the Sith. They've done it in such a way where it hasn't hurt either of them, um, and just kind of like this cool version of vader where it's kind of like yeah it's been he's been vader for 10 years but he's still very much anakin and we kind of then get that basic turn when he's back on mustafar a volcanic planet where the (laughs) emperor's just basically like like yeah buddy get over it everyone's gone and he's like yeah sure i'll get over it um i I am now yours i will submit to you it's only taking him 10 years but cool he's there but um everything about this was epic I loved it. It was so cool. And this is the best stuff for me. Maybe even the best stuff of the whole season. It was so good. Yeah, you know, Hayden Christensen had an interview recently where he explained what he was playing in this season. And there's been a lot of, you know, talk about, well, it's not all Hayden Christensen. And it's funny that this always surprises people. Like when you have somebody in a suit, that it's not always going to be the actor that you're going to keep cooped up in the suit. Like that was a big controversy with the Mandalorian in season two. Or like, well, Pedro Pascal apparently is not even in the suit, you know, almost half the time. It's like stunt doubles. It's like, okay, well, there's stunt. When, when a person's out of a suit, like <laughs> it's a stunt double. Like in the Indiana Jones movies, do you think it's actually Harrison Ford being dragged behind a truck? Uh, but uh Wait, it's not. Hayden, it, well, I'm sure. I'm sure Harrison Ford. It was <laughs> somebody who's somebody who's as much of a man as that. I mean, Harrison Ford, Liam Neeson. They're definitely getting dragged by in trucks. I not watch Tom like Cruise movies, and by the way, Tom Cruise wants to thank everybody for uh, listening today. <laughs> I was with the, during the screener. They had like. Uh, 
um, uh, a little bit of wait. All of a sudden, the, the show ended, and there was like a 15 minute countdown before the Q and A afterwards. And I just was like, "Hi, I'm Tom Cruise. <laughs> Thank you for, for waiting the 15 minutes for the screener." <laughs> a lot but, of people uh, put a lot of effort into this 15 minutes, <laughs> so thank every single one of them. I'm Tom Cruise. Uh, I don't know how much effort Cineplex put into it. I'll get into that in a little bit. But, um, the no, Hayden Christensen had said that like he was playing. Darth Vader trying to destroy Anakin Skywalker. And that was before this episode aired. And it's funny because I remember when I read that interview being like, oh, we haven't really seen much of that. But, but then you see this episode and you realize, no, that was there the whole time. I mean, we even talked about in, in some of the earliest appearances Vader had in this, that like sometimes you would watch in a single scene, he would move or he would walk. And you're like, that looks like Anakin's walk. And then he'd move yeah. and walk. And he's like, that looks like Vader. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they had multiple performers in this. Cause it, it, you're seeing that there's still some Anakin Skywalker. It's not that like, you know, he's sitting there like, well, it's all Obi-Wan's fault. <laughs> but like yeah, Anakin knows or Vader knows deep down inside, there's still some Anakin Skywalker. And that's what that whole fight was about, which really is kind of the retconning with that line. When I left you, I was about to learn it on the master. Because this moment is the moment where he ceases to be Anakin Skywalker, which Obi-Wan even talks about in the original trilogy. Um, but, uh, but, but the fact that we didn't really fully understand that until that scene in that episode is so perfect. Yes, we saw Hayden Christensen's face, but the fact that like the helmet gets split and you're hearing the voice go back for them, just that effect was amazing too. And, oh, yeah. and also a little bit of a, a call forward too, because um, in the rebels TV series, uh, I, I haven't really ever watched past the second season, but the second season has Ahsoka uh, kind of having a meeting. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they did the other half here. Uh, another thing that uh, I caught that I, I loved here was uh, when you're watching the, Anakin slash Vader voice going back and forth. You can see Anakin's eyes is very dark, but if you look close mm. enough, you can see Anakin's eyes go back to the regular color from yellow. And that again, will sort of very subtly tie into, you know, when um, uh, they're saying like, Oh, Obi-Wan once thought as you did where Luke's trying to say like, Oh, they're still good in you. But then his eyes go back to the yellow and that's where Obi-Wan's like, goodbye, Darth. He's like, Oh yeah. Then my trend friend is truly dead. I mean, just dramatically how well they pulled off that scene. And the fact that it's so subtle is what I loved because we're used to the Marvel shows where they have to hammer something in <laughs> so heavy handed that it's like, okay, we get the point. And this is also subtle, but even just the fight itself. I mean, there, it is, it's not revenge of the Sith as far as like stunt performing goes, but I mean, it is so dramatic and so heavy. I think my only complaint about it was you have that moment where Obi-Wan's buried and you had to have had the same reaction where suddenly you're like, Vader has a high ground. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to say it. I thought he was going to be like, now no, Obi-Wan, who has the high ground now, sucker? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when Obi-Wan gets buried and then he has that moment where he, you know, is struggling, then he forces all the rocks off himself. Like, I, it's just a, a small thing, but I really think they needed that music cue, you know, like the force theme, like, dun, dun, dun. Mm, like you mm -hmm. need it. Cause every time in star Wars where you have somebody really using a power, you have a big music cue, like Yoda lifting the ship out of the swamp or is hate to say it, but even Ray moving the rocks in the last Jedi, you know? And, and to me, I, I just felt like that needed to be a bigger moment. Cause there already are some people questioning. It's like, well, why did he all of a sudden get so strong? You know, there was probably a better way to transition that. But uh, them just throwing everything around, like, you know, Obi-Wan just barrage of rocks into Vader. 
you know, Vader blocking them. Like, yes, these are force powers we haven't seen before, but keep in mind in Revenge of the Sith, I mean, it was emotionally a very different battle. I mean, they were fighting each other. Yeah. It wasn't, I need to come out with all these tricks. It, it was all about who's the better fighter. And then in New Hope, they're, they're like, we don't need this. You know, this is, we're basically old men. It's whoever's going to choose that they want to actually win this. So which the fact that we get all those force powers in this scene, it doesn't bother me at all. If anything, I think it makes more sense that they have to use all these extra force powers here. One thing I just thought of, everyone always like, you know, we questioned about how Lars and Baru age so quickly in 20 years. One, the one thing criticism I'll have with this series, there's only nine years to a new hope. Like, fuck some shit's mm. going down on Tatooine to age <laughs> these people. Even Obi-Wan. <laughs> I mean, God, like he's still a young spring chicken here. In nine years' time, he's going to be an old grandpa. Like, I mean, how does age work on these things? I I wish you had like a scene when it was kind of this half-and-half voice with Anakin and Vader where he's like, yes, and one thing now to prove that I am now no Anakin and Darth. I like sand. (laughs) It's brilliant. I love it. And everyone's like, no, no, who are you? Who are you? Then my friend is truly dead. (laughs) But, like, I mean, one thing that I only thought of just then, it's kind of like, you know, you see him turn into Vader in Revenge of the Sith. And I I know there's, like, a book and comics and that sort of stuff explaining about the pain of the suit and kind of, you know, all the, the troubles that he had adapting to it. But we've never seen that. In, I mean, I don't know about Rebels, and, you know, I've never seen that enough to know if they explain that in this. But, like, this is the first sort of live-action time we've ever seen Vader almost, like, struggling and still being Anakin. Because in, in the live-action version of Star Wars, we've only ever seen him become Vader. No! And then, like, the next scene chronologically is um, Rogue One. And then he's kind of mm-hmm. kicking ass being a badass. So I kind of like that we've seen a lot of this season of like sort of still Anakin, still transitioning. And it's been 10 years. He's still struggling with this. And I think you're right. Like Revenge of the Sith is kind of these two, you know, peak of their powers having a battle. So it's going to be epic. It's going to be that. And then Obi-Wan's been shut off from the force for like 10 years and only just getting into it. Vader's still struggling and in this pain in this suit, but still a badass. So I think kind of it, it makes sense now and it kind of does make um, a new hope make sense even more and i've seen a few people complaining about obi-wan's force i mean it's a star wars thing they're always mm-hmm. going to use like i mean god how many abilities in the sequels did we have it was like well that could have been handy in this thing um yeah. so i mean like obviously the force is all knowing and all powerful and all that kind of stuff and you can do this you can do that with it but um i don't know like it just it was epic it kind of it works really well and like i just loved this like emotional connection between these two still like because i mean that's something that was you could almost say just gelled over in A New Hope from Revenge of the Sith. Like, oh, yeah, you know, just a master of, it, master of evil, Darth, pew, 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 dead. Like, I mean, it's kind of like mm-hmm. they had this connection. You were my brother, Anakin. Like, I mean, all yeah. of that. It just works so well. And just, and well, like, even just Obi-Wan, like, beginning emotional, but just the moment there from Hayden Christensen when he's kind of like, you know, you didn't kill him. Like, I didn't. Like, he's just so evil. And like, as you said, with the eyes transitioning and everything, like, oh, all, all of it's so good. Yeah, and one of the things I liked was how they they flipped the performances from Revenge of the Sith. I mean, these are characters who have had 10 years pass. And what we saw of Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith, that whole you were the chosen one speech. I mean, Obi-Wan was angry at that point. Mm. Uh, He has that moment where he's breaking down, you were my brother, Anakin. But he's, he's still saying that in anger. You were my brother. I loved you. And then here it's the opposite. It's like Obi-Wan is sad here. You know, that's why he has yeah. it. I'm sorry. I failed you or whatever. Uh, and he, he also had that same line. That was another cool thing where uh, uh, revenge of the Sith, he had that. I failed you, Anakin, but he's like cold and emotionless in revenge of the Sith when he says that. And then here he's like genuinely sad. And then whereas Vader, we just have Vader basically as an immature child still. 
And here he's he's like even angrier than he was in Revenge of the Sith. But he's almost content. He's like, no, like he's like, you know, this isn't about you. You know, I, I'm the strong one. If anybody's going to kill Anakin, if anybody ruined Anakin, it was me. And I'm glad I did. I've got a cool throne uh, on the volcanic planet. Like, exactly, volcanic planet. You're living in a you're living in that shithole with sand, you bastard. Like, no, living where I grew up. Yeah, don't be a little sheep. <laughs> well, well, and like also just transitioning for a second. I don't know if uh, stealing your thunder here, but uh, I love that there are so many things that people call plot holes that we talked about when we covered these a couple of years ago. Like it's not a plot hole. You just have to apply your brain to it. They've explained like the emperor. Oh, well, how come uh, uh, the emperor can't find Luke on the planet when his name is Skywalker and he's living on Anakin's home planet? And we said during the prequels, like he doesn't want to find him because there's that line in the original trilogy where um, uh, Obi-Wan's explaining to Luke when he tells him about Leia, he said, the Emperor knew as I did that if Anakin had any offspring, they'd be a threat to him. Mm. And the Emperor backs that up in this show when he's basically saying, I will find Obi-Wan. I will, I, will, I will find out what he's up to. And I'm sure there's some kid out there that's got some secret going on. And the Emperor is like, he's trying to brush under the rug. He's like, really? It's like, are you sure that your feelings on your, like he's taunting him. He's like, you know what? I suspect that you just still love your old master. <laughs> that that scene basically backs up what we said, that the emperor doesn't want to find Luke. He's like, if he finds Luke, if he exposes this, then he risks losing Anakin. Because yeah. even the emperor knows Anakin's not gone completely. So throwing those little things in there, well, hammering it home. We've tied so much into A New Hope and all these things that people question later on. Well, this is a plot hole. They're like, no, it's not a plot hole. This is just, it's a subtle way of of uh, explaining it. I don't know why, like, this all of a sudden has just made me hate the sequels even more. Because I'm just thinking, like, you know, we've got <laughs> six great movies that all of a sudden have kind of, like, middle ground now where they're tying it all in, making it all the more perfect and explaining more of Vader and Obi-Wan. Let me just get the sequels that just go, eh, fuck them, let's do our own thing. Um, yeah. And I'm Ray Sky. Well, fuck off, Ray Sky. That's so <laughs> stupid. But I will say on a, on a thing with that, and again, I know I said this a couple of weeks ago, just, I'm just thinking of all these extra spin-off shows we're getting. I really do hope that Disney will start to, you know, defend their own product and we start getting some in that 30-year gap. That's what yeah. I really would like to see something like that. I would like to see, I don't know about Mini Ray, but, like, I'd like to see a Kylo Ren. I want to see something, like, I don't know how you can do it mm-hmm. with Leia because you can't get Carrie Fisher. I don't know. Like, give us some material in that 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens that yep. makes us like them more. Yeah, like, even with the original characters, I mean, it doesn't have to be Ray or uh, anybody, but, like, l- l- oh, let's just... Finn? You could yeah, Poe, like, like easily lots Poe, of Poe there's stuff. You could tons do. that you could do with him. And it doesn't even have to be Oscar Isaac. You have it take place 15 years earlier. Even yeah. just little, you could create an original character. That's one of the, uh, yeah, like Phasma. Well, like you think about what the Mandalorian has done by taking an original character and then bringing in these established characters like Ahsoka and like uh, Boba Fett to just kind of supplement the show. You just have an original character in the empire. You have an Imperial show where, where we could watch a Star Wars show where the, the, the Huck show. Yeah. The empire are now the underdogs, which we've never been able to see, or the first order are the underdogs. And that's one of the things they really failed with the sequels that it was supposed to be a, a flip on the way the original trilogy was yeah. where the rebels were the underdogs and the empire was all powerful. And then this new trilogy should have been the Republic or the new Republic or whatever is all powerful. And the first order of the underdogs, and we never got that. So let's have the first order kind of having to hide in the shadows and and you know be Osama bin Laden in a cave. <laughs> not not like trying to get sidetracked. It's, it's just little things like that. Which just it is surprising that Disney is doing so much to be like 
oh, we've got Star Wars, so let's like make the original trilogy and now the prequels better. Like, if anything, mm-hmm. you fucked up the sequel so much that you should be doing yeah. more to make them better. Like, I know the Mandalorian is what five years after Return of the Jedi, so like, I mean, they could spread it out enough that all of a sudden Mando bumps into Poe or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I, we could do something. Anyway, tangent. Other things I just want to quickly add. <laughs> I don't know why I randomly thought of that. I love like a couple of subtle little things. The Vader breathing, like the struggling breathing yeah. from Return of the Jedi. That <laughs> noise, where it is. <laughs> Yeah, that, like a dying dolphin. <laughs> and um, the Star Wars theory pointed out that um, Obi-Wan's pose, like he does the whole original like posey, like the way he stances before he starts fighting, like from Revenge mm-hmm. of the Sith and all that sort of stuff, which is really cool. Um, the- and he even says, I will do it, I must. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, like, I love sort of the, the chase bit at the beginning when you've got the Star Destroyer and Vader, very oh, kind yeah. of a new hope-ish, which is really, really cool. Um, before I get to... Um, so the stuff on Tatooine and everything. One thing that I noticed this episode, I mean, Mandalorian uh, and even Boba Fett, like, I, I think they've, they've done well with the special effects. Like, they never look cheap, mm-hmm. whatever. There are a few times in this episode where I felt like the spaceships looked a bit like maybe the budget ran out on the rendering machine or something mm-hmm. like that. But there was like the way it landed and the way it sort of flew through space. I don't know if you picked up on that, but there was definitely a few moments where I'm like, have they just not rendered that correctly? Do they have a system update and it didn't quite go through properly? Like, yeah. it looked a bit cheap. And I'm like, this is a bit strange. It doesn't really look like this on even on the TV shows. Yeah, that, one of the things that Deborah Chow, it wasn't a question that she was asked, but one of the things she said in the Q&A is uh, she, she talked about uh, doing a TV series versus a movie. She goes, you know, believe me. Like, she was, like, very serious. But believe me, there were times I really wished that we had the budget of the movies, you know, because we were – she, she basically confirmed we were not working with a big budget for this TV series, which which is unfortunate because, I mean, you're, you're making a TV series that is going to draw out over, like, five, six episodes. But if you actually add up the running time, I mean, you, you're probably looking at four, four and a half hours. Most movies, they're probably going to shoot the same amount of material. I don't understand why – you know, you couldn't have a bigger budget because you're going to get nowadays. They're just releasing movies straight to Disney plus anyways. I mean, the the whole idea about we need a reduced budget for this. I don't quite understand, but yeah, there are some things that I I know I mentioned even in episode two, how uh, that, that planet they visited uh, where flea took Leia, that it looked very like backlot, you know, or very sound stagey. But, uh, but yeah, we do get some good moments in here and we get some other ones, but let's say that also ties together because yeah, we have some bad effects in the original trilogy and we have some bad effects in, the uh, the prequels so it was intentional Deborah just said it was intentional four hours 20 minutes and 38 seconds is how long this whole goes and Mm. you gotta like then take into account the the recaps and the long credits so take 15 minutes four hours and five minutes 20 minutes four hours it's it's Justice League um it's you know like I mean that's that's pretty capable and let's be honest if they had gone ahead with the original plan and made this a movie two hour movie like I mean we would have lost a lot of what we did and it's people People complain it was like padded out a lot, but um, you know, I think it, it did the job. Um, the um, Moses Ingram Raver stuff, um, I mean, the one criticism I'll have, and I, I like they said this in the Star Wars theory videos, and it kind of is true, like. It's great that we got baby Leia, it's great we got a bit of baby Luke, but like the problem with having them in this show is we know nothing's going to happen to them. So they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. invincible. Even in Star Wars, where everyone is invincible anyway. Like, we know these two are basically the main characters of the, the three movies that everybody loves and everybody can agree are the great ones. So, like, it's kind of, you know, when we're seeing Luke being chased and we're seeing Leia, it's like, okay, well, we know they're going to be fine. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, Leia gets saved. Um, little Luke didn't get much to do, Luke, but um, you know, good for him. Um, I saw a, lot, a few people saying like, "Oh, he saw the lightsaber of the third sister." Like that, that doesn't make sense. And it's like, well, he doesn't actually see the lightsaber. Like he doesn't look, turn yeah. around, and go, "Oh, look, it's a lightsaber." I'm going to remember that in nine years' time. <laughs> um, but I, I like the fact that we got Baru and um, Owen doing something. Like yeah. that was kind of cool. Um, we haven't really had them doing anything in Star Wars. I don't know if there's anything in the novels or like the the comics that have them doing shit. So I like action Baru and Owen. Um, <laughs> so you know that was kind of cool. And then. I like the fact that Raver's what basically good now, and so I guess they're kind of leaving that. Is she getting a spin-off? Did I read that that they're doing a spin-off? I've on, been hearing a show on her, which I'm not opposed to. We've defended her. I mean, I kind of like this sort of whole turning from evil good to evil to good. I don't know if that's really been something that's been done much in Star Wars, at least that I've seen. So that could be cool. That could be interesting, mm-hmm. and I liked it. And I mean, I liked the fact with Owen, like because I I guess I don't know if you kind of assume that. Owen and Luke and, and Obi-Wan had kind of met all together before, but this was the first meeting between Obi-Wan and Luke. That yeah. was kind of cool. And it got us the hello there, which was fantastic. But, I mean, all the stuff in Tatooine was fine. It was sort of we knew what was going to happen, but it kind of was a nice little balance between that and the Vader-Obi-Wan stuff. Yeah, I think my only complaint about this episode really is that it has nothing to do with what they delivered in the finale. I loved the the Tatooine stuff, but it comes out of nowhere. And... Uh, we ended the last episode with the surprise. Oh, Reva knows that there's a kid. You know, they never say she puts it together. This is Anakin's kid, but there's something important about this kid. Uh, so that's going to tie in. But it just, it becomes its own spinoff and it doesn't tie into the bigger story. Maybe if we had had something where Obi-Wan knew that this was happening and he was trying to call Owen, like to me, it just sort of felt like last episode, we're going to drop in its own subplot. In, and it, it could have helped maybe if we had another episode to build this up. I don't even say like make this a seven episode series, but have the Reva turn happen, you know, at the end of episode four. Uh, and uh, then you, you can build up her going to Tatooine. And, and that's one of the reasons why Obi-Wan is in a rush, you know, to, to get away from Leia while everybody else is trying to get back to Alderaan or whatever. Uh, then it wouldn't have felt like so rushed. Oh, we're going to throw this in here at the last minute. But I mean, being able to see Owen and Brew, I mean, I, I mentioned on our uh, New Hope recap that, like, Owen and Brew are those characters that I, that, that I had, like, this weird love for. <laughs> like, I wish Owen and Brew were my adopted parents. Like, I, I always loved Owen and Brew's character, and I think it's partly because they're so misunderstood. Yeah. And what I loved about this is this is going to sound like a really weird comparison, but uh, uh, I I was watching this documentary just this week about – it was it – was, post the Beatles breakup and like the solo careers of Paul McCartney and John Lennon. And when they talked about the song, imagine they were basically addressing like the song has been diluted by just everybody's knowledge of this song The Olympics. that people it's it, exactly. But I mean, I, I, I will personally say, I still hate that song. I just find it annoying <laughs> song, but it could be because it's been so overexposed, but they say because of overexposure and stuff like that, like people kind of uh, don't really understand how, uh, how deep the song really is and don't appreciate it now as much as they would have like, you know, 50 years ago. And I, I feel like that's very similar to a lot of stuff with Star Wars, because when you grow up watching these movies, you just know it so well that certain things that watching it a first time you're going to pick up on, you just lose over time. And I mean, George Lucas's intention was always that Owen and Baru, you, you realize they're the protective parents as things go on, because you have them saying, no, 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 you can't go this year. You know, I still need you here. And 
unfortunately people have kind of seen that scene because that's the biggest scene involving Owen. And they assume that is Owen's character and that is Baru's character. And they miss the fact of the final line saying, you know, he has too much of his father in him and him saying, that's what I'm afraid of. George Lucas always intended for Owen and Baru to be these characters that you, you realize were really the ones watching after Luke. And the fact that they use this to make them the stars. Uh, I, I think it's perfect that Obi-Wan doesn't play any part in this, that he shows up and he goes, okay, I'll find them. And then it's like, no, no, wait, you don't have to. They're here. Yeah. Uh, and, and then him having that moment where he says, you know, you're, you're the, the ones protecting them. You guys have done this. You know, I'll, I'll leave you to do your thing. You don't need me. Um, because it puts the proper spin on Owen and Baru's characters. So we don't have that, you know, 40 whatever years now, 45 years uh, of people assuming that these characters are one thing when it was always meant and even clearly stated in the movie that they were supposed to be the protector. They're, they're the good guys. And they're the good guys in a way that even Obi-Wan wasn't the good guy. He's just there watching after Luke. And we finally got that proper closure with them. And getting Baru to talk, I mean, because even the original trilogy, she has three lines of dialogue. Uh, and then she has one word in the prequels. So getting her to actually talk and, and giving her a little bit more of a character. I mean, it's kind of what I've always wanted. And, and you can do these backstories. Like a lot of people talk about how including Boba Fett and Jango Fett in the prequels was unnecessary. It's like, oh, we don't need the backstory of them. It's like, for me, I take it or leave it. I mean, it's, it's, it's good for what it is. But I feel like this is one time where they did it in a way where you're like, yes, we needed the backstory of Owen and Baru. And, and Luke, j just like we had with Leia, we get just these little moments where you're like, yeah, that's Mark Hamill. You know, yeah, that's Luke. This is what a 10-year-old Luke would be like. Uh, he even has the line in here where they're saying, okay, the Tusken Raiders are raiding. Like, yeah, and I love that too, because like you always talk about how dangerous Tatooine is. Uh, and then it, it, when you have the A New Hope where he's like, send people worse, but he's still curious about them. The, this episode kind of explains both sides of that. You get yeah. how dangerous the Tuscan Raiders are because they're like, listen, they've come again. Luke, you realize this is something where every couple of months they wake him up in the middle of the night. It's like, Luke, we got to hide. The sand people are out again. Uh, but then the fact where he's like, I'm not afraid, which was his line from Empire Strikes Back he had with Yoda. And then that also kind of explains when he sees the sand people in there. Oh no, sand people worse. He's like, oh, Uncle Owen and Emperor always said they were dangerous. But then he's like, hey, they're not here. I'm going to go take a peek. Like we get these moments of him being Luke Skywalker, even in his limited screen time. And it's him and as a child, the same way we got Leia. I always hated Owen just as a kid. I couldn't understand oh, him. <laughs> love him. Uh, he was just, you know, shut up. whatever. <laughs> um, the only character to tell somebody to shut up in Star Wars. <laughs> sand people were humanized thanks to Boba Fett. So um, <laughs> if, if Boba Fett did anything, it was that. Um, so yeah. that. Um, just quickly, you mentioned the planet. What did you think of the random planet that they landed on for the battle? I thought it was fine. It was like crystalline. It's yeah. Yeah. Again, everything that Disney has done is still missing that George Lucas touch. And uh, if you if you actually watch the credits, I don't know if you sit there listening to the theme, which is an amazing theme, as we've mm. said. I'm watching the credits. You see names pop up. Everyone's well, which, one thing just completely off topic what, here. Names Andrew pop Stanton. up on the credits? Really? <laughs> well, names you might recognize. But uh, Andrew Stanton, um, who uh, was one of the writers on this, uh, I, I only caught like uh, halfway through the series that his name was appearing as a producer. Andrew Stanton's uh, a Pixar guy who made um, the Finding Nemo movies. He also did some live action. He did the live action John Carter movie. He was one of the writers on the original Toy Story. He was one of the writers on this episode. Now, he doesn't have like necessarily a Star Wars connection, but when he made his live action 
uh, debut, John Carter of Mars. He really modeled that after Star Wars. But uh, there's a name, Doug Chang, in the credits, who is the production designer on the pre prequels. He's the guy who did all the concept art for mm. what the, he wanted these planets to look like. And he does the production design on Obi-Wan. But it's still missing George Lucas's input where he's like, eh, it needs to be a little bit more otherworldly. So, I mean, yeah, it was a very cool planet. It, it was something slightly different, but I feel like we just, we still need to get a little bit more George Lucas, like with the planets. Um, I don't know if there's other, I mean, older on Jimmy Smith's Leia wearing a costume with boots and stuff. Um, cool. Um, <laughs> the biggest laugh of the, the, it got in the entire theme. No joke. The biggest laugh was where the, uh, the mom walks in. Or, or whatever, stepmom, adopted mom, whatever. She's like, is that a holster? <laughs> <laughs> and this way Leia should be like, yes, and it's empty because we have no weapons on Alderaan because we're a peaceful <laughs> planet and there's that going to get us in nine years' time, mum. Uh, oh, and it's Obi-Wan's fault too because he's like, here, this was Tala's. Well, where's the gun? It's like, I'm not giving a gun to a 10-year-old. <laughs> well, you should have, and then the planet might have not got blown up. Because <laughs> we're a peaceful planet. We have no weapons. Well, you should, and you would be fine. Um, I, you mentioned the credits, actually. I don't think we've really talked too much about it. I, I like how the credits are basically done in movie style because, like, yeah. obviously with Boba Fett and Mandalorian, we don't. They kind of have the cool concept, they which do. I like. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that I don't like that. I do like that. But because um, I don't even think we get, do we get this style of credits in Rogue One and Solo? I don't think we do. So this is is this the first Rogue time we get one. We definitely do. I think we do. Okay. Well, I was going to say yeah. is this is the first time we've got credits like this outside of a, a like you know the nine episodes. Um, but why isn't Liam Neeson in the credits? Like I, I get it. They sometimes have like uncredited and things like that. Yeah. But I mean, Ian McDermott was credited. Um, you know, and he was what about the same time as. Is Liam Neeson just like, I tell you what, Deborah, I won't even need my name on the credits. <laughs> well, that, that's that's the thing. He said, darling, I'm in too quickly. He didn't negotiate for a yeah, screen he, he was sitting around there at the end of it. Like, okay, cut, Liam, great. He's at the rap party. He's like, oh, Deborah, when do I get my money? Oh, this is awkward, Liam. We thought you actually meant it. Oh, did, did, oh, did you not okay. remember that conversation? You know, darling, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Um, again, before the Q&A, like, I mean, any sort of just anything I haven't talked on season well, two, what, I mean, will it be a thing, like kind of thoughts overall? Well, first with Leia, it, this has been a big talking point. Well, how come Leia doesn't know Obi-Wan in the original? Oh, yeah, that line. Yeah, I like the yeah. kind of what they did to explain that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I, I kind of, I think when I first watched this, in a way, I felt like, that's it. Like, just don't tell anybody. It's a secret. Oh, okay. That's well, you mentioned that. I think you mentioned that in one of our episodes that maybe that's just what they would say. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think a couple of days has passed now or a day and a half has passed. Uh, I, I think I'm more okay with it than I was when I first watched. First, I felt like that's a little bit of a ripoff. I wanted him to do like some memory wipe. But then I'm like, no, I, I, when you, when you black. watch the... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look at this. There was, uh, uh, there was a look at this from, from Venus uh, refracting off of. <laughs> have you ever flashy thing uh, me? Okay. <laughs> have you ever flashy thing me? <laughs> we got it. We're, we might be doing those movies this year. We talked about it. Oh, uh, um, can we play? We need to do something Will Smith. Like, I'm still not comfortable yeah. living in a world where Will Smith is not liked. Like, come on. Let's reclaim 2022 for Will Smith. That's our mission. Please do it. I just. I just we will call it Reclaim 2022 for Will Smith Month. <laughs> I saw I saw his autobiography in a bookstore in New York. And I'm like, oh, I remember when everybody was buying that and happy that that came out. Now it's like the bargain bin. I'm like, no, this is Will fucking Smith. He's a great man. 
Yeah, and I you know what? Kevin Tom- Spacey got defended more when he got cancelled. Like, it was like, <laughs> exactly. oh no, not Kevin Spacey. No, we we like him. And then well, all of people, a sudden, people love Tom Hanks. And it's like, well, okay, you, you sure you didn't punch somebody, but like, uh, yelled at a kid and told him to back the fuck off. It's like, whoa, Tom, yeah. but we still love you. I mean, like, love him more. We talked about recently Johnny Depp. I mean, God, the guy, like, you know, does what he does and bring back Will Smith, people. You <laughs> yes, just slap we're one. Do it. Let's be honest, we've all wanted to slap Chris Rock at once or twice. I mean, I like Chris Rock. He's funny. But, I mean, God, Madagascar was shit. And I wanted to slap him for that. I would have gone, Chris Rock, slap. Don't do Madagascar. shit. All right? And Jada Pinkett Smith, sure, she got a little bit whatever, but we love her. We've talked about her on this show before. Stop bagging out the Smiths. Bring her back. Academy Award winner, Will Smith. You're welcome on this show, Will. We won't ban you for ten years. You sound like you're Anakin right now. <laughs> I hate them. All these people who can't and will. God's sakes. Where are we going with this? Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Flash Taylor TV. Swift <laughs> is still a thing. How? Uh, Taylor Swift should never been a thing in the first place. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, okay. So, the not, not flashy thinking Leia. Not flashing Leia. <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what he did. But, uh, but yeah, the more time passes, I start thinking about that scene and thinking, well, okay, well, how does this tie in? And it's, it's a very small thing, but there's the, we always, we always talked about with the, once you saw the prequels, that moment in a new hope where, and it was not George Lucas's plan in the beginning. George Lucas had plans from the beginning that there was going to be a twin, but he, even he has said it was not Leia. When I made a new hope, it became Leia. When we did return the Jedi, it was originally going to be a completely different character. Uh, but when you have the Leia message appear and Obi-Wan uh, has like that double take, he looks at Luke like, Oh, does he know? Like I, I thought about that. I'm like, well, that reaction now you can interpret that as like years ago, you served my father in the clone Wars, like, Whew. Good thing she didn't spill the beans. <laughs> and also, and that when, night we spent on Alderaan, <laughs> where I flashy thinged her. <laughs> Pedophilia legal on Alderaan. <laughs> Guns, no. Pedophilia, yes. <laughs> yeah. No one talks about the dark side of Alderaan about how getting blown up was probably a good thing for the galaxy. Well, that's how the that's how the Empire spun it afterwards. Like, yes, we destroyed Alderaan, but you must know pedophilia was legal. Yeah, <laughs> we did oh, the universe. That's all right favor. then. <laughs> I just felt a great disturbance of sports. Like millions of people were suddenly <laughs> silenced. But then again, pedophilia was legal there, so fuck them. <laughs> but uh, the the uh, the moment that always bothered me in the original trilogy was where Luke shows up. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. And she goes, Ben Kenobi, where is it? I just, we even, I think we probably even mentioned it during A New Hope. It was like, she doesn't know who Ben Kenobi is. Shouldn't she be like, Ben Kenobi, who's that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but everyone's brother? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have this relationship where, where because she's not, she's not flashy thinged, yeah. her recognizing Ben Kenobi because yeah. I even thought throughout the Great course of the season, I was even thinking when she, when she, he had identified himself as Ben, I even thought about that. But okay, so now does that explain why she's like Ben Kenobi? Like, is she putting Ben Kenobi? Wait a second. I knew it, a Ben Kenobi. Is Ben Kenobi and Obi-Wan the same person? But the fact that now we're, we have that moment where she's told, shut your mouth, don't tell anybody, it explains the Ben Kenobi thing. And you, you look at that Obi-Wan reaction differently. So I, I originally was like, kind of like, eh, that's lame. And now the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, this kind of makes sense. This is the right way to do it. Great, um, great. For, well, I didn't think about that at all. 
You're welcome. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm here all hour. Uh, however long this takes. <laughs> uh, the the, uh, the season two. I mean, basically, as soon as this ended, I turned to my brother. I'm like, yeah, there's so going to be a season two. Like they've been saying, there's no season two, but like they they tied it up enough. The only thing that really makes it where yes, you have to do a season two. Okay, you could say the Qui Gon scene, right? Like, hey, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, but it's it's Vader saying, yes, I will find him. I will hunt him down to the end of the universe. But then you also have the Emperor saying, no, no, you won't. Uh, I, I think my thoughts were they have made this where it's like, yeah, we could do a season two. We're mm-hmm. not tying it up so much that we can't, but we gave everything proper conclusion. My only thought is if we do a season two, if you do a season two, you're going to do a season three. I mean, I, I feel like at this point, they want to make at least three seasons, make this an Obi-Wan trilogy. I mean, Hayden Christensen wants to do it. Ewan McGregor wants to do it. Everybody wants to do it at this point. It's going to happen. But you need to lay off of Vader and you need to lay off uh, of yeah. Luke and Leia. Yeah. Because I've all, I, at the end, when we covered the Mandalorian season two finale, I was saying then, I'm like, a lot of people are going to be upset. They're like, oh, well, is Grogu off the show? I'm like, I'm for it. Like, you can't drag this on to be the Mando Grogu show forever. And I'm almost a little bit upset that Grogu's now back, you know, at the end of Boba Fett, because like you're limiting the amount of the type of stories you can tell. And the best way to do this would be to have an Obi-Wan season two, where it's something to maybe bring back Darth Maul. Maybe now you could tie it into solo because we're in the same time period. And then if you want to do a season three, where you have one final confrontation with Vader you have uh, do it differently. But if you just keep repeating this, by the time we get to a new hope, nothing means anything. They did this in a way where you can do a season two, but doing a season two with Luke, Leia, or uh, maybe you could do Leia now, but at least oh. with Luke and Darth Vader, <laughs> pedophilia legal on Elder. Uh, yeah. you, you, you can't just keep repeating it. They need to do something different if they're going to do season two. I think the only thing I'll say quickly about Grogu in that is that, like, I kind of want to know more of the backstory. I want to know if this is, um, what is it, Yodel and Yoda's son, <laughs> daughter, whatever. Um, but no, I agree. Like, I I would be fine either way. I think if we never get a season two, I think we've got enough that's been like, cool, you've done what you can. Because um, you, you do risk going a little bit further. Like, you know, like, I don't think we're ever going to get a Boba Fett season two. I don't think we need a Boba Fett season two. But um, I think. With this, if you did season two, yeah, I, I think you don't bring Vader back. As much as I love Hayden Christensen mm. and I want Vader back, but, like, you basically or, just cut ties of them now. So, like, you don't need him or, like, bring him back as, like, a cameo every now and then. But I think or, you, know, what you said about Darth Maul, I, like, I'm I'm all for that. Like, if you're not going to get a solo two, bring back Darth Maul, bring back, like, the crime syndicate, whatever it's called. You could mm-hmm. technically bring in Han Solo. You can bring Alden. Because, like, yeah. when he meets him and when he brings in, like, the pilot, when he's like, Han Solo, you know, like, we never know if Obi-Wan knows him or not. Because Obi-Wan mm-hmm. goes up to Chewbacca and then gets Han Solo. So, for all we know, they know each other. So, like, you could tie that in and then you kind of got a conclusion There's- to Solo too. Like, that would be cool. Yeah, there's no way that... Han Solo looks at Alec Guinness and thinks that's that's the Ewan McGregor I met nine years ago. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, there's no way we were meant to get a Han Solo years. cameo in Revenge of the Sith, right? Like that yeah, exactly. Was a, that was a planning, but like that would be cool. And like, yeah, you kind of milk it and you're going a little bit different ways. But like, I mean, I I want to watch was it Rebels or whatever it was where Obi Wan kills Darth Maul. I've never seen it. I'd mm-hmm. like to see it. Um, I know you're not going to recreate that because you you know that's still canon. But I think we need, if anything, we need. Something like I'd like to see them like age or McGregor a bit more, give him the gray hair. Like, yeah. I, that's the one thing that's missing to me is kind of how he goes from 
Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness. I, I know you're never going to get that, but, like, I mean, again, literally nine years between this and New Hope mm-hmm. now, and he still doesn't look any closer to Alec Guinness' age. So, I don't know. There's there's possibilities there, but, again, <laughs> if we never get it, I'm fine with that too. But there's also, and I didn't even think about this until you started talking. I'm like, why did Vader and Obi-Wan have to meet again if you do a season two? Most mm. TV shows have multiple storylines that sometimes don't even tie together. You know, um, Heroes is a big example. I don't know why I bring up Heroes so much. (laughs) The show's no good past season one. People need to uh, every now and then because they bring up other (laughs) things when they think of it past season one. Yeah, but like even in Heroes season one, the majority of your characters, you basically had all these individual stories and then they met together in the end, but not all the characters met together in the end. I mean, that that show kind of existed. Loss is another example. People just Mm. do their own things. So there's no reason you couldn't do it like the Book of Boba Fett, but do it right. You have the Boba Fett story. You do the Mandalorian. You have them both existing in the same show in, in the same episodes. Have Vader pulling the strings. Don't even necessarily tie him into Obi-Wan. Just, just have a role for him there. And I think the same thing with Darth Maul, because what you also have to avoid is you, ha- you have to avoid what is going to become very common uh, with Obi-Wan bringing back these, these past villains like Darth Maul or Vader, which is he can't kill them in the end. So we can't have every season end with, you know, oh, uh, mercifully, I will leave you alive. Uh, do an original villain, have Darth Maul behind it. You know, you can save something for a season three. But yeah, there are ways to do this. And and I think with Leia, I mean, you, you know, you could bring Leia in there. You, you could do a season five years later. I mean, five years later, he's going to have to be old man. So it's probably going to have to be pretty close. But yeah, do more with Bail Organa, do more with Leia, you know, and uh, just sort of leave Luke kind of uh, in the background. Better, Better Call Soul was a show where they kind of you, two separate mm. storylines every now yeah. and then they intersect. Um, tie in the Force Awakens guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but like, I mean, I know the. the uh, not Force Awakens, sorry. Yeah. Um, Jedi. Uh, um, the the video game um, that you just started playing. Oh, yeah. The. the, the um, um, uh, why can't I remember the name now? <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um, Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Thank you. Yeah. But like, I mean. You know, I know there's a new game coming out next year and he might die in that. I don't know. But, like, he doesn't die in the game, the spoiler. But, like, it's just, yeah, like, there's there's whole things you can do with that. But anyway. Yeah. Um, the Q&A. So, and, like, also the experience. So, like, you, was it packed? Was, like, people involved? Were people dressing oh, yeah. up? And then, and so they did the Q&A in Toronto and it was just kind of, like, live streamed. So, like, when yeah. I went to the Jurassic World one, that was obviously live streamed across 70 different cinemas. I was in the cinema where they were there, so I don't know what it was like watching it on the big screen. So, the opposite for you. You weren't, sadly, in a room with Hayden Christensen. But mm-hmm. what was that like? Anything revealed? And how was Hayden? Was he good? Was he was he friendly? Or was he just there, like, yeah. oh, I'm getting paid? I mean, you, you could tell he was very enthusiastic. Um, they, they did not have the best host for the panel. <laughs> He's, Sorry, it's, it's I actually, tried it's my a best. C- <laughs> um, it, it's a CTV uh, reporter, so this is somebody whose whose job it is, you know, to to be on television. But I, I don't know this guy Richard Cross. He, he uh, he's good on television. He was not good in this panel. You could tell he was almost a little bit starstruck. It's funny because the host actually explained that like the very theater they were recording this in and screening it in was exactly where he saw, he was mentioning seeing Hayden Christensen in attack of the clones on opening night at like 1 AM. in this series, so you could tell he was kind of a little bit starstruck and it didn't help his interview. I, I think one of the things that uh, I, I was kind of expecting because of your Q and a experience with Jurassic world was that they would have maybe taken questions. Like if you are live streaming this and it was live stream, like we had to wait 15 minutes for the live stream to start. 
involve people say hey we want you to send questions here and we'll ask some of them. it was all just the the reporters questions hmm. which most of them were not good there were some hilarious ones i'll mention don't, um, don't worry the q a ones that were sent in from people at my dress were one was shit so like <laughs> what's I don't your know favorite they, dinosaur was... would you go to jurassic park if it really existed like shut up well, well, let me explain the, the, the worst moment that, that I actually started laughing uh, in the theater. Uh, the, the host had talked about the lightsaber battle and like, how difficult was this film? And they're kind of giving answers about how difficult the lightsaber battle was or the final battle at the end. And he's like, when Quentin Tarantino made Kill Bill, he said that uh, he would call out moves to people like they would have to memorize. This is move number seven. This is number eight. And then as they were filming, he would say two, seven, four. And then there's just a silence and Deborah Chow and Hayden Christian are both like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, but what you guys did sounded more complicated. Anyways, <laughs> uh, like that's how bad he was at points. But, uh, uh, but I mean, the other, I think disappointment was like, there were some technical problems. Uh, the, the movie started right at six o'clock uh, or at least the audio did. There was no picture. So they played a full minute and a half as we're hearing like the, even the music from Empire Strikes Back that's playing during the chase. And you're hearing Vader's voice and everyone's like, come on. I was like, should I turn on my Disney plus watch it simultaneously? Uh, and all of a sudden they just cut it and you have a manager come to the front of the theater. And say, Excuse me, everybody. Uh, we've decided we're going to start this at six 15 instead. So we give more people a chance to come in. I'm like, Really, you just played a minute and a half of the audio without the picture, and you're going to go, shit, shit, plug the red AV cord into the audio, the yellow, shit, shit, get Larry, Larry's 15 minutes away, Jeff, fuck it, uh, hi everyone, we're going to start this 15 minutes later, just because uh, a few people planned. stuck on the highway, all planned, yeah, exactly. they've been watching Stanley Cup, and they just got to, just, just, yeah, 15 minutes, got some popcorn, what, take a load off. And what made it better was that it was sold out, like wow. completely, like, Every seat filled, and she said that we're going to give people more chance to come in. I'm looking around like, there's not an open seat here. <laughs> like, worst excuse ever. And then they eventually started again, and it first starts, and you get like the Lucasfilm logo and everything. And then as soon as the, the episode starts, suddenly we get the picture and no sound. <laughs> so people get like, ah, wow. ah. <laughs> um, no. There was, <laughs> there was one, there, there was at least one person I saw in like Jedi robes in the, the screening I was in in Toronto. Like, they went all out, they had like a stormtrooper. When you know those, these, what do they call them? Like the 501st? Like they actually have these yeah. clubs where people have their stormtrooper. Yeah. One of the things they mention in the Q&A is that they use those people. Like they'll go to where, when they're filming Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, even like this, they will recruit those people. So again, mm. that's how you save on the budget. We're not going to build stormtrooper suits. These guys already, already have the suit. <laughs> Exactly. They're using those people. Um, but uh, the q and I mean, when, when there were some decent questions, there were some good answers. Uh, they did talk to Hayden about like coming on the show, like uh, what his reaction was. And he said that like he had heard talk about him coming back before they ever asked him. So it's like, hey, I kind of already knew in the back of my head they were going to ask me. And then it was basically the same thing as Liam Neeson. Like when the folk, like Deborah Chow basically said, hey, I'm going to be making the Obi-Wan TV series. And, you know, she lives in Toronto as well. She's like, would you guys like to meet up? And everybody in the crowd's like, did you meet him at Tim Hortons? And she goes, no, it wasn't Tim Hortons. Is <laughs> <laughs> it a Leafs but, game? Exactly. Um, but uh, it, it was the same thing. Like she basically said, yeah, this is what we want to do. And Hayden's like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> None of these people negotiated a contract. Think. Imagine <laughs> being so like, like I don't know how famous Deborah Chow is if people know what she looks like, but like, it's like, imagine being in that cafe and like you're you're a barista, 
And it's like, man, I take it off. Fuck, Hayden. Hello, Hayden. You stop. <laughs> What's going on here? Are you two? Are we going to? Oh, my God. Photo, <laughs> put it on the internet. <laughs> uh, well, well, one other thing is Hayden Christensen. Uh, we talked about how in the Attack the Clone sequence that we got in the last episode, how it's like, yeah, you can tell he age a little, but like, you know, barely. Seeing him on screen, he actually looks younger in, if you want to call it in person, than he does on screen. Like, does not look like he's aged a day since Attack of the Clones. Um, some of the cool stories they told was, uh, uh, I guess, in particular, the back-to-tank scene that they have of Vader, because that's the first time we see Anakin. Mm-hmm. And they're explaining, like, first of all, he's in this heavy makeup. It's basically two inches of makeup that's on his face, uh, which Hayden Christensen was explaining, like, yeah, yeah, putting the makeup on was a challenge, taking it off is painful. Like every single day is a very painful, but then he's like, then they submerge me in this back to tank where he has to actually hold his breath. And I mean, we, we mentioned during the, the prequel recaps, like Hayden Christensen, I mean, he is an athlete. Not only did you like Mark uh, Burnett's eco challenge show, but like long before that, before he really got into acting, he was, he was basically on the verge of turning pro as a tennis player. Uh, and then just decide the last minute, no, I don't think I want to go this route. I mean, you can tell he's still in good shape, like not just physically, but uh, those back to tank scenes, he had to hold his breath in there. And Deborah Chow's like, yeah, we started timing in at one point and, and he got up to two and a half minutes. I'm like, I'm thinking Hayden Christensen at the age of 41 is holding his breath for two and a half minutes in the water, in makeup with his eyes open. I'm like two this and, is and a half dedicated. minutes with Hayden Christensen in any capacity is heaven. So <laughs> exactly. What uh, are the yeah. other cool one of the other cool things they talked about was uh, Deborah Chow was saying how she she used music on the set to kind of motivate the actors. And one example is, and I would love to go back and watch and just see, uh, she says with, with Moses Ingram, whenever she would like enter a scene, if, if it was just her walking on screen or something like that, she would play the Imperial March over PA system in on the soundstage because she wanted her to carry herself differently. And they did the same thing with uh, with a lot of the actors. In, in fact, the uh, the lightsaber battle we get between Darth Vader and um, Obi-Wan in this episode, she said, we had Duel of the Fates playing on repeat the entire wow. time we were filming. And Hayden Christensen, he, he's you know pretty a very cool guy. But like at that point, he's like, yeah, that was the coolest thing. Like, he suddenly turned into a 12-year-old kid. It's like, that was the coolest thing ever. You got like so excited that he was filming this playing Duel of Fates, which you know everybody kind of knows those stories about when they're doing lightsaber battles and the prequels that the actors would do the sound effects. George is like, we'll add the sound effects in later, guys. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, they, they mentioned about, uh, the little Leia, uh, what's her name? Vivian, Vivian, something or other, Vivian. uh, the actress who plays little, little Leia, uh, that, uh, they didn't want to cast somebody like, it, it wasn't like she'd never seen stars before. They basically discouraged her from watching stars and imitating Carrie Fisher. They said, we're going to cast a kid that we, when we just watch her, she naturally has those same qualities and same with Luke. They just went for actors that when they observe them, they're like, oh yeah, she kind of like moves like Carrie Fisher. She kind of talks like her. Uh, but on set, apparently she would just disappear. Like this kid was Leia on set. They would call cut and they'd be looking for her. It's like, where's Vivian? Where'd she go? Like she would just disappear instantly. And they would always end up finding her playing with some droid that was offset somewhere. Like <laughs> that was just her go-to. So again, very much like Leia with Lola. She was just always like playing around with everything. And very um, much like Carrie Fisher, she was off of snorting some coke. <laughs> that's what she was really doing. <laughs> doing Harrison What's Ford. It's not a white powder over our two's head. <laughs> when you see her in season two, she's going to have aged a lot. She'll look like a 45-year-old woman. Exactly. <laughs> Can I just say, actually, just on that, I, I just said to you off air that I watched Austin Powers on the plane on the way back to Australia, 
And I, yeah, I always forget Carrie Fisher's in that. I know that was 1997, and I know, like, The Force Awakens is 2015. So, what, that's 18 years. But fucking hell, Carrie Fisher aged badly in 18 <laughs> years. No, yeah, I don't mean mean. Like, I can give you plenty of male actors who have aged badly in 18 years as well. But, like, we talk about Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. That was, like, basically 17 years ago for Attack of the yeah. Clone, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Looking great still. Whoo, Carrie Fisher. No, no. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. <laughs> Life had taken its toll on her. We could, It's, again, no insult to her. I mean, no, even she, she was say, good in Austin Powers still. And then I was like, woof, okay. Yeah, she. there was some There was some substances that kind of <laughs> aged Got progressive. That's how, that's how Obi-Wan, <laughs> Owen, and Peru aged so much. Yeah. Like Tatooine, <laughs> they're snorting coke, coke and shooting up. <laughs> um, it's Leia's influence. That's what it is. Obi-Wan aged so quickly when, when he's like, <laughs> You know, goodbye, Princess Leia Organa. She's like, look what I got. Was it <laughs> episode one or episode two where they've got the drugs on the spice mine thing, like the Obi-Wan's oh, blowing yeah. shit up? Leia's pocketed a bunch of that shit in her boots. Her holster. Oh, yeah, it's empty. So, Dad, Jimmy Smith's coming. <laughs> That's what they just call it. Jimmy Smith's coming. <laughs> the, uh, the one last thing I just wanted to add with the Q&A was when it was ending, um, Hayden Christensen all of a sudden hold on, hold on nobody go anywhere I want to do something very special he basically says Ewan McGregor wishes you know, was it? Ewan McGregor wishes he could be here tonight <laughs> uh, but he says but we want to do something special for him so he pulls out his phone he's like I want everybody here to record a message for Ewan McGregor so he pulls out his phone and, and you can tell like him and Deborah Chow have like this kind of cool rapport uh, because he's he's on his phone and she's like okay you need to press that he goes yes yes I know how to use my own phone thank you <laughs> But but uh, right before they record it, you hear somebody in the audience scream, should we all say hello there? And, and he's like, yes, do that. <laughs> hello there. So he he basically pulls out his phone and he records a message like, hey, Ewan, we're here in Toronto. We just spent five hours watching the whole season of Obi-Wan. Uh, I have a friend here that wants to say something. He turns the phone around and you get theater of 300 people. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> they send the message to Ewan McGregor, which is like, oh, I great. Called Ewan McGregor's here. I, I I kind of thought they were going to the way that it started. It doesn't like, have his number. Gonna, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I love you, Hayden, but I'm not giving you my number. <laughs> Fuck off. But yeah, I mean, it, it was cool. Despite the technical, I wish they had had like some audience participation, and maybe we could have not had the Kill Bill questionnaire or whatever. But uh, uh, I, I I hope this is something that they do, you know, for the Mandalorian because I, I can officially say I've seen every Star Wars thing there's been released theatrically now in the theater, including Obi-Wan, because they haven't done this for Mandalorian, but like, do this for Mandalorian, do this for Boba Fett season two, if we ever get it, do it for Ahsoka, all those other shows. Like, I think there's something about seeing Star Wars on the big screen. Like to me, it felt more like a movie, even though I've been watching Obi-Wan for these last four weeks or whatever on my projector, projected on my wall, like it's a theater. It felt different being in a theater with a crowd. It's like, this is the way Star Wars is meant to be seen. I, I didn't even bother looking. I mean, I was on a plane when it dropped. I finally watched it last night when I was like half jet lagged. And then I, I mean, I'm in Hobart now. I'm not in New York. They're not going to be showing <laughs> shit like that. Um, I just saw here that Hayden Christen apparently is a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And also, has it been like, at least according to Wikipedia, he's it's saying that he's appearing in Ahsoka. Has it been confirmed yeah. that he's going to? So he is. It is, yeah. Because okay. him and Rosario Dawson, they made a, the, the best movie Hayden Christensen ever made outside of Star Wars, Shattered Glass. They did that movie together. And apparently they've been like super tight for the last 20 years. So it, it's, it, it's essentially the same thing where they're like, Oh, we get to make another movie together. Yes. Like now all of Hayden's old friends are like, yes, put him in here. I want Hayden. 
Because Hayden needs more friends. Like this. Uh, we'll be your friend, Hayden. I would love to be your friend, Hayden. Let's just hang out. Let's let's sit down and play Sudoku together or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> That's what Hayden kid. does in his spare time. So Hayden does. We'll let does you the beat three us in go tennis. here or does the three go there? Um, I'm buying this episode. What are you doing with this buying, episode? Buying, buying, buying. We both bought buying. every episode of this season, so go us. Um, I mean, I would... I. This is better than Boba Fett, and I'd say it's better than Mandalorian. I mean, I, I enjoy yeah. The Mandalorian. I think The Mandalorian has done a very solid job um, of being a good show. But, I mean, I lived up to expectations. I mean, we've been wanting this mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, I think it all came from wanting the movies, and they were meant to make a trilogy, and then they were going to make the one when the Solo did shit, so they shelved this. I mean, yeah, I think of all the waiting we've done for this, for nearly 20 years, I think they've been talking about doing Obi-Wan spinoffs. It's worked well, um, and it, mm-hmm. like... I'm happy either way. Season two, great. Yes, give it to me. If we don't get one, I'm fine too. Like this is not something that it's like, oh, no, we have to have a season two or this was a waste of time. Like Boba Fett was fine. Boba Fett wasn't terrible. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. I've always been on the notion that Boba Fett's just a character. I don't get the love of Boba Fett. So to me it was like, okay, cool, that that existed. Um, Whatever. I'm not really excited for this Jin Erso, not Jin Erso, the other guy, whatever his name is. And uh, whatever, like, I mean, you know, sure. So I've lost track of all the fucking shows we're getting from Star Wars. But <laughs> O1 was the one that I, I would firmly say if they, that's one. If all of a sudden they were like, we're doing Padme, like, you know, like <laughs> between c hops like, yeah, it's all right, give it to me. Which actually on that note, got a bit teary when he said to Leia about like, you've got bits of your mother and your father. I'm like, oh, he's talking about Padme. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, but... Yeah, fine. I don't know what I'm asking you here, but like anything yeah, you want to add before we close it off. Like it, it was worth the wait. But I think what was interesting is that it was different from what I expected. I think I, I maybe it's just me, but I kind of have expected for all these years since at least they confirmed this what like five years ago that we were going to get something like Rogue One. It's like it's Star Wars, but it's it's got a darker twist. It has its own feel to it. This was the first thing that to me felt like the Star Wars movies that they've made, and I'm the sequels are there uh force awakens to a certain extent it was a complete remake it felt a little bit like the movies but uh like mandalorian and book of boba fett again it's it's not a knock against them that's an open-ended story it's meant yeah. to be a television show to me this felt like um, an event it felt like it was a movie just split up over you know six episodes and i think what really surprised me is that it wasn't like rogue one where it had its own feel to it like it felt like star wars in that it felt fun and when you're doing a story about a beaten Jedi, you know, having to confront Darth Vader again for the first time in 10 years, like they could have gone the route of this being really dark, but instead it was a blast. And they, they had, you know, a, a lot of throwbacks to the original, uh, the movies, they had like fun action sequences, they had fun characters. Like this was a Star Wars movie to me on the small screen. And if they make it, I'm with you, if they make another season two, I'm a hundred percent on board. Um, they're, you know, uh, waking up at midnight or whenever they drop the episodes to watch it. But if they don't make it, like, you delivered what you were supposed to deliver with this. And I also love the fact that it was kind of a love letter to the prequels while also yeah. looking forward. Like, I think I, I'm, I'm happy that we are living in a world now where the prequels are getting love. And it's, mm-hmm. it's great. And people are excited for it. And if anything, now it's kind of like everyone's always going to be excited for the originals no matter what. Like, oh, cool, there was C-3PO. And, oh, cool, there's, like, everyone's always going to love that. We're not there yet with the sequels, even though we just spent a five-minute section of this talking about how we'd like to see some media in between that. 
Um, but like, I think we really are firmly there now with prequel love where it's kind of like, oh, like that's that and this that, and everything else. So yeah, um, that, mm. that made me happy with all of that. And um, thank you, Disney, for actually producing something good for Star Decent. Wars. Good. Yes. Thank, thank you, Disney. You great overlord of the world. You. Um, you have done well, Disney. You have done well. Um, 24, still dropping on Monday, Breaking Bad on Tuesdays, Lost, talk to Noah. We might be getting recording in soon, <laughs> yippee. Um, so get excited. Um, outside of that, uh, Elvis, we'll be doing a review of that mm-hmm. early next week. Uh, you're seeing that the day we're recording this. I'll see it in a couple of days. I'm going to go see Jurassic World again because why the fuck not? Um, and <laughs> I can think why not, but I, I, I'm with you. I'm curious. Um, and we're, yeah, we're going to have some discussions in the coming weeks about bringing movies and stuff back, which will be good, fun. Um, Reclaim 2022 we'll be- for Will Smith. Yeah, Patreon episodes. Uh, we can talk about what we've been watching because I've been catching up with some shows. I've been watching Miss Marvel, which has been interesting. Pam and Tommy, which is good. <laughs> bit bit about sex in it for Colin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, are you excited for Elvis? Yeah, you know, the running time kind of has me scared. Um, I, I, I think Baz Luhrmann is what has me interested in this movie. Also, the fact that it's apparently going to be telling like his entire life, which I'm not the biggest fan of biopics that are told over like decades. Cause like you can't really get a clear story out of that, but I mean, it visually, it looks fantastic. Like I think this is one that has to be seen on a big screen. Cause even Bohemian Rhapsody, which is like the worst biopic Here ever made. Go. I'm sorry. Even, even over the TLC story on VH1. Uh, <laughs> but uh even that, when you see the concert scenes, like that's what it's there for. And seeing uh, that they had like a one hour uh, thing on ABC, I think it was of uh, like the making of the Elvis movie, and just looking at like some of these concert scenes that are going to happen, particularly with like the older Elvis, the '70s, like big stage presence one. Like those are going to be incredible Fat to see Elvis. on the big screen. Fat Elvis, yeah. And I, I really hope that Tom Hanks does punch somebody in this movie, just so that uh, he could be on Will Smith's level. <laughs> I um, I want to get the soundtrack, and because I'm intrigued because they got Chris Isaac. Everyone loves Chris Isaac, and he's you know, always been compared to Elvis, but I'm very intrigued to see two artists on the uh, Elvis soundtrack. You have, um, and I've gone completely blank on the name of them, the band that won Eurovision uh, from Italy. Mainskin, 20- yeah. Mainskin, thank you. <laughs> and fucking Eminem is on yeah. the Elvis soundtrack, which I'm so That's I'm how you know this so is a movie. <laughs> I am so intrigued to see how you got, because like the, he has that line in what was, what was it? Was it Without Me? Where it's like, I'm the most controversial thing that happened since Elvis Presley. Yeah. So like, you just kind of was come full circle. Now he's fucking appearing on like an Elvis soundtrack. Like, I can't wait to Elvis raps to Unchained Melody or whatever. That's not even an Elvis song, but whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Like Jailhouse Rock or something like that. Yeah. Blue suede shoes. Um. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I I think it, yeah. I've not seen reviews, so I don't know if it's been well received or if it's been panned. But um, that's that's you never know with Baz Luhrmann. It's a fifty fifty, right? Proud Australian mm. Baz is. G'day, Baz. You know he's Australian when his name's Baz. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, that's all on the Oz Network. Stay tuned. And, uh, yes, we are looking forward to bringing you some more subpar content. Uh, my name is Ben, <laughs> and goodbye there. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. I wouldn't even think about that. Um, and my name is Colin, and little Leia is high as a kite. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. 
Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)